Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. The question we're going to ask today, is salvation universal or is it exclusive depending on the group that you're a part of or the label? I myself, I'm a father, and I remember whenever my wife and I thought of bringing children into this world, we wanted a son and a daughter, and that's what we ended up with. I never said to myself, well, whenever I bring this child into the world, it better call itself this, or it better be this way, or better do this way, or if it doesn't fit certain requirements of me, then it can't be my son or daughter. This was never even a thought process or an idea I had whenever my wife and I brought children into the world. And I wonder if that's the same way whenever it comes to God. I haven't had a whole lot of Christian community. As you can see, I haven't been doing a lot of uh, live podcasts lately, even though my channel states God TV Radio Live Podcast Show. I've been doing a lot of audio on the radio, doing a lot of talking, but not so much people trying to figure out, is my direction right or is it correct? A lot of people say they love me. A lot of people say they care about me, but they're not so much participating or being involved in my internal struggle and trying to figure out how God perceives us or how God sees us. Lucky for me, though, fortunate for me, I'm able to pray. I'm able to look at vast libraries of information on the internet. I can talk directly to God. And through my experiences and through the things that happen in my life, I'm able to get a conclusion or an idea based upon the content of my life and existence on what it is God truly wants from me. And it seems as though God just simply wants me to accept him. He simply wants me to love him and take upon the information that he's given to us through the Bible, which is his guide for humanity, on how I can better myself and also better the people's lives around me in such a way. So I kind of take it as, and I know someone will argue, oh, you're anthropomorphizing God. You're comparing God, God's behavior and his actions to what you do. But the Bible clearly says that I am made in the image of God. So these views and ideas I have about love and goodness and quality of existence, it must come from God. It must be wired from God if we were to presuppose that God is real and that he actually loves us and cares about us. And I have this unusual idea that no matter if you call yourself a Christian or a Muslim or a pagan Jew or even an atheist or agnostic, that God loves you. And I think that God, according to my faith, is willing to save anyone. But it would not be based upon how good you are or how well you are, the quality of things that you've done in life. I would suspect that this is based upon, do you accept who your father is? Do you accept your creator? It seems like such a simple request from God. God already knows that you're going to make bad choices in your life. 
However, we can see in society that God is willing to bring salvation to even a murderer. He's willing to allow a person who's done terrible things in their life the opportunity to be with him in eternity. It seems like the only people that he's not willing to take in are the very people who resent him, those who are angry with him, those who are willing not to accept him. No matter how much love or guidance, no matter how much parenting is involved or participation he has in people's lives, if they choose not to accept him, then he simply won't accept them back. I have heard some Christians say and also read passages out of the Bible stating that no one is with excuse. And I wondered what that meant whenever I was a non-believer. I used to think to myself, is this Bible trying to say that God knows or he's aware that there is no such thing as an atheist or agnostic, that there is no one out there questioning him? Is there no one out there who does actually think and they're convinced 100% that there is no God? And the more and more I hang out or hung out with non-believers, the more I realize that not all of them, or any of them for that matter that I've ever experienced or met, were 100% sure that God wasn't real. In fact, I did a couple dozen interviews, and many of them stated, well, I believe in a possibility, yet at the same time they would define themselves as an atheist, one who lacks a belief in deities. Yet in the same sentence structure that they put forth or propose, they say, sure, there could be a possibility, there could be a God. Sometimes the information that they would reply with or respond with would have mockery to it. They would do some name-calling of God. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't understand why that is. If someone were to ask me the question, Brett, do you believe in the possibility that there could be some unusual creature living on another planet? Sure. But why would I feel the necessity or the need to insult the creature or call it some kind of weird name or call it a sky creature or a wizard monster or something like that? Being that the universe is as big as it is and it's expansive, I would suppose there's a lot of different life forms that exist in the universe and if this universe is not the only universe that exists, that God created several universes or millions or billions of them, it would seem to determine that God has more than just a plan for humanity, but for a plan for all this space, all these worlds, and everything within it. You ever heard anyone ask that question? Why did God create so much space for? Why did he create so many different worlds? In the book of Hebrews that actually talks about it, it says that God created many, many different worlds. It's interesting to think about it that primitive men who had never been outside the atmosphere of Earth were basically claiming that whatever created this world and whatever created life itself existed outside of Earth and did not originally come from this planet or this world. That whatever it was that created us and they gave the name to it, God, created earth from the outside and then went into the earth and began creating things 
around us and our environment and everything that has a symbiotic relationship with us. So God wanted to create the very food, the resources, the water, the sky, everything, everything from the light that separates the darkness. He gives us a guide. He gives us this history, this rich history. When we open the Bible, we're not just reading about a God or an entity. We're reading about the relationship that he wants to have with us. We're reading about his participation in mankind's existence. How he was able to get mankind and several different groups of humanity through terrible obstacles and challenges. That he taught us how to do things in order for us to be able to continue to survive. However, at the same time, this God, being that he loved us, he treated us like a father bird in the nest. He took care of us. He took care of us while we were in the womb. He took care of us as we grew up. He walked with us along the sand. He was the very footprints that walked beside us. But there was a time where he said, now it's time for you to have your own walk, to be able to figure out what you want in life. It's not so much just about how he loves you, Do you accept what he's done for you? Do you love him for the things that he's done? He's willing to give his life for you. If you truly love him, are you willing to give your life for him? Are you willing to give up the things of this world? And when you think of it, it's a pretty good deal. God is offering you an eternity of existence where there's no suffering, there's no pain, there's joy, there's peace. For you to have the answers to your questions. To be able to be a part of the universe on a higher level. As where other people are telling you that this is all you have. This unfair planet. This world that is ruled by greedy, selfish, terrible human beings. That don't love you, don't care about you, and would not be concerned about you if you were to die tomorrow. You have people in your family who probably don't care if you suffer. Don't care about if you're going through any kind of torment. There's some of you out there that you've thought about being a father or a mother, but you wonder to yourself, is this world good enough? Is it? Does is there enough love in this world to even imagine bringing children into it? There are people out there who call themselves antinatalists, who think that it's horrible and a violation of human life and quality to bring children into this world. Well, when God created this world, he originally created it perfect. He originally created us perfect. And I know what some people say, if Adam and Eve were perfect, then why did they screw up for? Because God created us with the very functions he intended on giving us. He perfected us by giving us the ability to be able to choose good from evil, to be able to have our eyes open, to be able to see what is happening in front of us. He's given us the tools and the equipment to deal with the darkness and the evil that is around us. He's given us all kinds of different moral choices that we can make. And why does he do that? So we can feel alive. So we can actually call ourselves human and say that we're independent. So an atheist can claim that, oh, I don't need God. I can do whatever I want in my existence 
and so be it. Yes, he loved you so much that he gave you the ability to be able to turn away from him and walk away from him. God gave you the ability to commit evil or good upon mankind. It's all your choice. And that's love. It's love in the same way that parents tell their child, we've taught you, we've raised you all your life, and now we send you out into this world, and there's going to be wolves out there, there's going to be evil out there, and now it's up to you. You want to choose to be a person who loves and cares? Are you a person who contributes to the good of mankind and to the good of God? Are you going to glorify me, or... Are you going to rain blood and pain and suffering on all those around you? I don't believe that you have to be a Christian in order to just be saved. I don't think that a father cares about whether you call yourself a circus freak or any kind of name for that matter. It doesn't matter if you call yourself pagan, Muslim, Jew, any of these things, providing that you accept God for who God is and that he loves you and cares about you and that he has made the sacrifice that a father does for that which he loves. If you've done that, then like I said, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. The only people who will find themselves in darkness in all this, those who have made the wrong choice, are the ones who cannot acknowledge the creator yet worship the creation itself and won't give God his glory for what he has given you. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. I'm here with TTOR. Can you tell people what does TTOR mean? TTOR is an acronym for Truth, the Objective Reality, which I started as a blog on blogspot.com back in 2013. And over time, I just transitioned into doing video content under that name. And then I just shortened it to TTOR for YouTube and other video site purposes. TTOR is much easier to say than the full Truth, the Objective Reality thing. So I just rolled with it ever since. Surprisingly, there's a lot of people out there I've discovered in my 20 years of doing YouTube that don't seem to understand what objective means, nor do they understand objective reality. Can you give them a little bit of an explanation on that? Well, basically, the idea behind objective reality is that we live in a reality, and there are things about it that are true regardless of whether or not we like it. And it's up to us to decide whether we're going to accept reality for what it is or if we're going to deny what reality actually is and try in our minds to create a substitute reality that is 
more to our liking and try to pretend that the world we live in is the one we made up in our heads instead of what it really is. This is something that a lot of people unfortunately like to do, especially atheists and evolutionists, which they love to deny that they even are doing it. But once you realize that they're doing the same thing that just about everyone else does, it becomes a lot easier to deal with them. Unfortunately, you're having a bit of a lag there. It kind of looks like a Bruce Lee movie. I don't know if you ever watched Bruce Lee where the moves are happening, but the voice is kind of behind a little bit. But you're coming through clear, so that's good. All right. We may have to have him do Avatar in a little while if it gets any worse or anything. Okay. All right. He's you a might very popular You What's might up? if I go grab some crab crab chowder. I'll be right back. Sure. I'll be gone. Sure. I'll be back in 30 seconds. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get the opportunity, let me go ahead and mute that mic. Uh, make sure you check out his link over in the description. His videos are uh, very clear, high definition and all that. Unfortunately, he's having some internet lag for some reason right now. Uh, there might be people watching television, doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, some chowder. How you doing there, Mountain Lion? How are you doing? Hope you're having a blessed day. We're just waiting for him to get back. All right. Yeah, we are definitely losing some frame rate. You wanna you wanna hit up your avatar, but also your mic is muted at the moment. There you go. Well, so, I guess I'll have to do. <laughs> yeah, I was promoting people's uh promoting your YouTube channel and telling people, look, on his videos, it's high definition right now. We're just having some internet uh, issues and that's it. Yeah. So let's see if I can get a conversation out of you while you're slurping on some clam chowder. Is that what <laughs> it is, my... chowder? Uh, basically, it's soup with like potatoes and crab and carrot and other stuff in it. It's pretty good. Okay, so you... Uh, you have shown in some of your videos that you have issues with the way some religious folks do things. Uh, obviously, there's some things you disagree with. And you also do a lot of responses to, a, what's his name, Sledgehammer666 or something, YouTuber as well as BitShooter. Yeah. And uh, what is it that you find fascinating about that person? And what, what also makes you uh, question some of the behavior and actions of some of the religious folks that you've uh, you've politely and respectfully engaged? Well, in regards to Sticks Hexenhammer six six six, he's a pretty popular figure in the alternative media, independent content creator community as far as news and politics analysis goes. He has a lot of reach, but he also talks a lot about religion and about Christianity and atheism and whatnot. And the way I've kind of understood him after watching him for years is that he basically represents your average atheist, evolutionist, agnostic. Because even though he argues like an atheist, he identifies as an apathetic agnostic. He's agnostic and he doesn't care enough to find out if his uh, what, what the truth is, whether it be atheism or theism. So I respond to some of his videos because I basically want to respond to what I feel is the average atheist. And then when it comes to some of his uh, 
tech stuff, I respond to those too, especially the time where he actually said it was okay for alt tech sites to censor people as long as it got them into other countries that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. I, I had a problem with that too. Now, apathetic atheists are the ones who just simply say they don't care. The journey, the truth doesn't even matter to them. They're just uh, going to live their life. They don't, they don't care what the deal is. But aren't they the same people <clears throat> who'd be the first to get on video and tell you what they think the truth is? Well, Sticks certainly does. Uh, most of them do. <laughs> I don't know of one that doesn't, to be honest. So basically, it's not a matter of not caring. It's a matter of not caring what other people think or their opinion or views. It's just what the person who's apathetic thinks. That's all they care about. Or not caring to do the work necessary to figure out if you are right or wrong. Oof, that's rough. Goodness gracious. So what is some of the things whenever it comes to uh, religious folks out there, at least people who claim to be Christians, we both know biblically it says there will be some who will claim this and that, but they won't be hitting the mark. What's, what is it that you find most irritating, uh, at least in social media in the world? Well, there are a lot of Christians out there, whether they be on the internet, social media or not, that they call themselves followers of Jesus. They call themselves Bible believers, and some of them are even apologists who claim to be defending the truthfulness of the biblical worldview. But you closely analyze their teachings, and you realize that a lot of these people, they teach things that either blatantly contradict what the Bible says regarding a historical claim or a claim about morality, or it contradicts what Jesus said regarding any number of things. Uh, Gab CEO Andrew Torba is the perfect example of this. He's taught so many uh, heresies regarding the teachings of Jesus that blatantly contradict what Jesus and the New Testament, Old Testament say, that frankly it's amazing that anyone takes him seriously when he claims to be a Christian. There's a lot of people out there who seem to think that you can be a follower of Jesus and basically call Jesus wrong by teaching things that are the opposite of what he said. And you're good. There's no consequence for that. And yet they seem to forget Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where there's all these people that seem to be good, faithful followers of Jesus telling Jesus, hey, didn't we do all these great things for you? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and perform all these great works in your name? And Jesus responds to them and says that I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. So there's a lot of people who seem to think they can be good with God while simultaneously rejecting what he plainly says in his written word. And I have a problem with that because it's not a fruit of someone who's saved. I mean, if you can look at what the Bible says and you accept what it says once you know what it says, contextually speaking then that's the fruit you would expect to see from somebody who has a personal saving relationship with Jesus and who's actually a Bible believer. But when you're exposed to what the Bible actually says, when it's read in a straightforward contextual manner, and then you reject it and you make up whatever excuse you have to in order to justify believing something else and reinterpreting the bible well that doesn't seem to flow logically from your claim to be a bible believer you would think a bible believer would just accept whatever it says not reinterpret it to suit whatever you want to believe and that's where a lot of my videos responding to 
old earth creationists, heretics of different varieties, and other Christians who have who teach false things. Uh, that's where a lot of that stems from, because we have a book, the Bible, that has clear teachings regarding morality, clear recordings regarding history, and all manner of other things. And that's the standard by which we should be judging anything regarding this world if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And so that's the standard that I judge everything by, or at least I do my best to judge everything by that. What are some of the uh, the subject matters that you hear some of these folks bring up that you've made videos about in the past where you felt like they were way off the mark, like they weren't even coming close to what uh, God of the Bible says? Well, uh, what a lot of people do with what Jesus taught in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, where he said that uh, male, female, and marriage were created at the beginning of creation. A lot of older creationists tend to reinterpret that and say, well, Jesus was talking about the beginning of Adam and Eve's creation. But you read the exact words of the text, you see Jesus say, at the beginning, God, and then he gives a direct quotation of Genesis 1, I think 27, and then he follows that up with a direct quotation of Genesis 2.24. And that is his entire statement. And you can't just reinterpret that to say, oh, it's talking about the beginning of Adam and Eve's creation. Because that's not how it reads when you read it in a straightforward manner. That's uh, one example of where they would reinterpret the Bible to suit their beliefs when it doesn't support what they believe. Another good one is when older creationists claim that it's wrong to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in a straightforward manner, because if you do that with the genealogies and time spans that are provided in Genesis and Exodus, you come to the younger creationism timeline of history. And so they tell people like me that it's incorrect to accept the straightforward reading of that passage, but then they deliberately forget or ignore Numbers 12, 6 through 9, where God is talking to Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. It's the incident where Aaron and Miriam were challenging Moses' authority as God's spokesperson because Moses was married to a foreign woman. And God came down in a cloud and told Aaron and Miriam that with a lot of prophets, he revealed himself to them in visions and dreams, but that he did not do that with Moses, that he spoke to Moses face to face. And he also said that he spoke to Moses clearly and not in riddles, which means that he spoke to Moses in a straightforward manner, and he did not speak to him in any kind of coded language that you have to reinterpret in order to get the proper meaning of it. And so because of what God said in that passage, it stands to reason that you have to interpret the entire Torah that way because that's what God said. And people, including older creationists, believe that the Torah is God's direct revelation to Moses. So if you're going to believe everything in the Torah, you got to believe everything God said. God said, I spoke to Moses in a straightforward manner. So that means the genealogies that have numbers in them, the time spans provided by the Torah, they mean exactly what they say. And when you add them all up, you can't come to any conclusion about origins other than uh, young earth creationism's timeline of history. You can call yourself a Bible believer. So that's another example of how they 
try to reinterpret the scriptures to make it say things that it doesn't really say. And the primary reason they do this is because they view what the world says as a higher authority than what God says on origins. It was actually Perry Marshall, the theistic evolutionist, in his book Evolution 2.0 back in 2015. He wrote on page 327, literally, that science is more authoritative than the Bible on the issue of the age of the earth and universe. Therefore, we should let it answer the question, not the Bible. So those are the kind of reasons and things that make me have to make responses to people like that, because at the end of the day, despite their charismatic personalities, despite how nice a lot of them are, despite how winsome their approaches are and a lot of the things they do, at the end of the day, they actually don't view the Bible as the highest authority in their lives. And so that has to be called out. Otherwise, uh, you'd be letting a lot of people get led astray. Got an interesting question for you. Do you believe that the scientists or even religious people out there who state old earth creationism, do you believe that it's just because they're misled, they've been indoctrinated, or are they in, some of them actually deliberately lying to the public for some reason? It's a mix of everything. With guys like William Lane Craig and Frank Turek, I would say it's deliberate because they've acknowledged on video on podcasts that the way that they're interpreting the Bible is not actually the right way to do it regarding origins, but they do it anyway to justify their beliefs. Those people do it deliberately. Whereas someone like me, who was an older creationist until about uh, my mid-20s, I didn't know that the Bible taught a 6,000-year-old orphan universe when read in a straightforward manner. I just knew what old earth creationists had said, and you know, I kind of went with it for years. And then I eventually studied the Bible for myself after I encountered young earth creationist apologists who were pointing out a lot of the scriptures that I teach people in my videos and that I read to people in my videos. And I, of course, read those scriptures in context to make sure they weren't taking anything out of context or twisting or manipulating. And I found that they weren't. And so that's how I ended up becoming a young earth creationist. Because unlike people like Perry Marshall, I view the Bible as the highest authority in my life. And so once I figure out what it actually teaches, I just cling tightly to that and I don't compromise on it. Which is why I didn't, you know, which is why I was an older of creationist for so long. I was just ignorant. And a lot of people out there are ignorant. I mean, I've talked to people on the streets before, like out in the community, and asked them about young earth creationism, if they knew anything about it. And these people who were Christians told me, what the heck is young earth creationism? I mean, a lot of people don't even know what it is, and they're Christians. So ignorance is definitely part of why they're not. So as far as all the options you listed, they're all true. It just depends who you're talking to and who you're talking about. The ones who are more knowledgeable, they're the ones that are doing it deliberately. And they know that what they're doing is wrong, but they do it anyway. But then there's others that are ignorant. And then there's everyone in between. You know, there are some people who are ignorant. And then when they encounter the truth, they have a hard time accepting it. So they're kind of like the middle ground, I guess you could say, in that spectrum. But yeah, it, it, all of them apply to different people at the end of the day. 
Well, I myself have got a lot of buddies and stuff. Uh, most of my Christian friends happen to be young earth creationists. Me, as you probably know from watching my videos, I'm iffy. And I would blame that on ignorance. Uh, I would definitely need to see more different viewpoints, which I have been following along with your videos, your channel, Matt Powell, Kent Hovind, and a bunch of other people out yeah. there. But what is your, what would you say if you, if you had like 10 minutes to be able to tell people out there, they're listening, the whole world's listening to you. What would be a few of the points that you would use to narrow it down to this is why it is the way you're saying whenever it comes to the age of the earth? I would go to numbers 12, six through nine. And then I would point out in a short summary that when you add up the number genealogies and the time spans provided by uh, Genesis and Exodus and first Kings chapter six, verse one, which goes from the beginning of the earth and universe to the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, which was about 900 some years before Jesus was born. And then you add the 900 some years between that and the birth of Jesus. And then it's been 2022 years since Jesus was born, because that's our calendar where it started. So you add that time all together and you get an earth and universe that's a little over 6,100 years old. And that's the straightforward contextual reading of the Bible combined with what we know outside the Bible as far as genealogies and time spans go. And I can give that presentation, as you can see, in a minute or two. As far as the rest of the time, I guess I could bring up more uh, specific things uh, about science, like uh, the expansion of, or, yeah, I think it's the expansion, no. Is it the expansion of the shrinking? Earth's magnetic field is doing one or the other. I think, oh, no, no, that's what it is. Earth's magnetic field is getting weaker over time. And basically, if you go back far enough in time, Earth's magnetic field about 10,000 years ago would have been so powerful that for a brief period of time, according to evolutionists and atheists, it wouldn't even exist. Of course, if that's true, then 10,000 years ago, we would have been destroyed by the rays of the sun and all the other harmful rays that are out there in outer space. So if what they say about the... Uh, decay rate of Earth's magnetic field is true, then 10,000 years ago, all life on Earth would have been wiped out. None of us would be here to talk about it. So the fact that we're even here to talk about it is actually proof that young Earth creationism is true because of the issue of the decay rate of Earth's magnetic field. Then you get into non-fossilized dinosaur bones with soft tissues in it, which has been an issue for the last 10 years thanks to the discovery of Mark Armitage and in the Hell Creek Formation, and I think it was Montana. Uh, that's another thing I'd bring up, too. And I guess I could do all that in about 10 minutes if I really wanted to. Well, I, this, is, uh, this is all interesting, and I can see why uh, a lot of people would see that this is, a, this is a good reason to be able to really take it serious and look into this and study it more. There's nothing wrong with exploring different options and alternatives. But I, I do got a, a funny question for you, and I never hear anybody ask this question. But it, the Earth is 10,000 years or less, right? It would have to be according to the issue of the decay rate of Earth's magnetic field. Yeah. What, what about the other planets in the universe, the stars? Right. Well, I mean, I'm a Bible believer, so I believe the creation account, it says that God made all that stuff during the 
six days of creation. So he would have been put there according to what the scriptures say. Because not everything was made on day one. I believe the stars were made a day or two later. Sun and the moon were made on day four. All the animals are made on, I think, day six. Maybe day five and six. Because I'm not looking at the creation account right now. But not everything was made all at once. They were spaced out a couple days apart in some instances. I think vegetation was made on day three and four. Like plants and trees and stuff. So, yeah, that's what where I would God's, accept. What it. about God's timing being different than human time, though? Because of the very fact that his nature is outside of time. Doesn't it say something to the effect of like a a second to God is a lifetime for us or something like thousands of years? Yeah, yeah. Second uh, Peter chapter 3 is the most popular reference in terms of that argument uh, because it's a passage that talks about how uh, basically the scoffers come in the last days scoffing and saying that, you know, everything will continue on as it has since the beginning of creation and you know jesus is never coming back and basically what god explains in verses seven through nine of that chapter is that the reason why he hasn't come back yet and put an end to evil and establish his kingdom on earth like it says in revelation it says the reason why he hasn't done that yet is because he's given everyone a chance to repent and get right with him and it's in that context where he talks about how to him a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. I mean, those are similes. And the point of the simile is to illustrate the message that to God, time doesn't mean anything to God. So just because time doesn't mean anything to God and just because he has to be outside of time to make everything to begin with, it doesn't mean that he did everything over a time span different than what he said. I mean, if God hadn't said in Numbers 12, 6 through 9, that he spoke to Moses in a straightforward manner and then provided all that data that we always refer to in our videos as young earth creationists, then old earth creationists would have a much stronger argument against our position. But the problem is that God gave us really specific data about when and how long it took him to make everything and how long people lived and stuff. And and then he says in Numbers 12, 6 through 9, that you are to believe it as it's written. So, you know, you can't really, uh, you can't really explore deep time within the Bible because of that data it provides. It's too specific. You can't interpret it away. God himself doesn't allow you to do it. So, yeah, I, I can't really mess around with deep time knowing all that stuff as far as entertaining the idea that it's true. Of course, as a hypothetical exercise, you could argue that even in a deep time scenario, according to Big Bang cosmology and evolution, you would still need some kind of God to even make the whole thing work because the whole theory doesn't actually explain how it all began. It just explains what happened after everything began. But that would strictly be a hypothetical exercise for me. I wouldn't entertain it as being true. Would you like to try to get on video again, or are you still working on the clam chowder? I'm slowly working on it. <laughs> okay. Would you, um, it, it wouldn't offend me no matter how you respond on this, but would you be interested in if Kent Hoven and Matt Powell were to um, try to see if you would be interested in participating in young earth creationism arguments and also arguments against 
uh, some of the scientific claims out there, basically uh, team up with them to do debates against folks. Is this something you'd be interested in? Because I've listened to you. You're very authoritative. You always have information and resources like out of memory. I don't know what it is if you've got a photographic memory. But it seems like you'd be an asset, or is there just too much disagreement where you wouldn't be interested? Well, it would take some serious thought, and it would depend on a lot of factors. But I think what makes me different from pretty much every other young earth creationist on social media and the internet is that I tend not to delve into science as much as they do. It's not that there isn't scientific evidence supporting young earth creationism and there's definitely science disproving evolution once and for all and atheism once and for all. But the way I see atheists and evolutionists working is that they use science to try and sell you on their worldview. And then what I try to do in my ministry is once you prove that their worldview paradigm that they're selling you on is fatally flawed, it doesn't matter what science they present. No amount of science can support a fatally flawed worldview paradigm. And so that's the approach that I've always tried to take in my uh, ministry, I guess you could say, especially over the last about three, four years. I, I focus on their paradigm and showing that their paradigm is impossible because then it renders all of their scientific arguments null and void. And I think sometimes the mistake creationists make when they debate atheists on scientific topics is the science basically is a smokescreen. It's a, it's a pony show. It's a way to distract and keep you going around in circles all day and not actually deal with the fact that atheism itself is a fatally flawed worldview paradigm. I think once you deal with that, their whole worldview is dead and they have to resort to name calling and ad hominem attacks and all that stuff. They can't resort to anything else once you've destroyed their worldview paradigm and you've proven that it's fatally flawed just on the philosophical, logical, reasonable, logic reason level. I can definitely uh, agree with that. It seems like whenever uh, the word science is even brought up in the discussion, 90 percent of the people who are claiming that it's about the science and facts and evidence they don't even know what it actually is teaching or what evolution is actually stating or claiming or asserting so when you say go after the paradigm not the smoke screen which is the use of science what mm -hmm. is the paradigm for you well i do detail the paradigm in i think it's chapter two of my book another inconvenient truth Two: defending young earth creationism but basically, in a nutshell, the paradigm is that Big Bang explosion happens and all that stuff leading up to the formation of the stars and the planets and the galaxies and yada, yada, yada. All that happens according to what you read on the Internet and what you're told on atheist channels and science classrooms and all that. So all that happens. And then over the course of time, you have random chance mutations allowing things to go from simple to more complex. Of course, and that's how we got here today, is that basically our ants, our more primitive ancestors evolved into slightly more complex creatures over time through random chance mutations and natural selection. That's basically evolution paradigm in a nutshell. Of course, if you go into the science, that's impossible because natural selection can't make new information from nothing. It can only select from what already exists. 
And then the idea of things going from simple to more complex over time without any intelligent intervention involved at all, that doesn't work either because of the law of entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, in other words. That law says that when things are left to their own devices over time, they naturally wear down, break down, fall into disorder. And this is the most irrefutable law of science that there is. And evolution directly contradicts it. So evolution's paradigm is fatally flawed because of those two things. And there's other things we could talk about if I had them in front of me. But those are the two that come to my at the top of my head when I think about why the paradigm is flawed. Entropy is observed. We see things die and rust and wither away right in front of us every single day. So, yeah, that would that causes disorder and expanding of anything that was once structural. So you're right. That would go against something that claims that it adds more information and complexity. The information is conserved within the universe. It can't take in more because there is no more to take is basically the paradigm you speak of. Right. And then the thing that they'll do to try and react to you is one of two things. Uh, One thing they'll say is, well, the law of entropy, yeah, it does that on closed systems, but Earth is an open system. Therefore, your argument's null and void. Well, the experiments that verified the law of entropy were performed on Earth in that open system. So it stands to reason that it works on open systems as well as closed systems. And since it seems to work everywhere in the universe, you could assume that the entire universe is a closed system and the law of entropy applies to everything if you want to run with their argument. The other thing that they try to do... Oh, goodness, I'm blanking. What's the other thing they do? I had something really good in mind. <laughs> uh, let's see. So it's well, law while, you're, while you're thinking of it and all that, I've heard that where they try to uh, fire back at you. I'm giving you an opportunity to think about what you were getting into. I'll put it forth like this, though. It's not just the concept of closed-in system, though, because... The reason why, according to science, people die, why animals die, why everything around us rusts and falls to pieces and apart is because of entropy. So claiming that, go ahead, do you got it for me now? Yes, I do. The other thing that they'll do in response to that basic argument is they'll appeal to experiments that were done, whether they really happened or didn't, where a scientist or a group of scientists were as able to get life from non-living material or chemicals and they say see it's totally possible not realizing while they're talking that they just proved that intelligent design is true because the only reason the life came from the non-living material is that an intelligent mind or group of intelligent minds manipulated the situation intervened in the situation to make it happen it didn't happen on its own That's the other thing they'll try and do, too. Right. It would have needed an intelligence creating the variables and the the proper parameters in order for the thing to even function in the first place. But they couldn't do that naturally because they destroy themselves with their own argument by saying it takes billions of years for nature to do that, which cannot be observed. And billions of years is the ultimate smokescreen because all this stuff about evolution and deep time and Big Bang cosmology you can't observe any of it in the present none of it i mean according to the paradigm itself uh all this stuff that they talk about happened before human beings 
with the ability to record or make observations of what they're seeing ever came around. And then according to all of the evolutionists, the process of evolution itself takes so long to occur that no one can see it happen in action, which is a twofold problem. One, if you don't see it happen in action, you can't record it as a historical event. And two, if you don't see it happen in action, you can't set up an experiment to verify if this is a naturally occurring phenomenon or not. So based off of that evolution, deep time, Big Bang cosmology, it really is just a religious worldview. It's not even remotely scientific because the idea of science is that if you can't observe it in the present, if you can't set up an experiment to verify or falsify it, it's not science. And a lot of these people use that and say, well, see, this proves young earth creationism isn't scientific. And to that, I would say, right, and yours isn't either. And that's where we get into the issue of where they struggle to see that they have a worldview just like we do. And if they were able to realize that they have a worldview like we do, and that what we're trying to do is prove that our worldview better accounts for what we observe than the other guys, we would have more fruitful debates, I think, in that regard. But the problem is that these current day atheists and evolutionists, they don't even want to acknowledge or realize that they have a worldview just like we do, and that they're operating from the position of their worldview explains things better than ours does. They don't even right. realize that's what's going on because they've been so indoctrinated by all the leftist Marxist stuff in schools that they just don't do deep thinking anymore. Yeah, they lack the uh, intellectual honesty and integrity. Um, can you do me a favor real quick? Can hmm. you uh, promote your channel and all that? I got to use the rest area. I've been drinking coffee all day. <laughs> okay. Well, since we're here, I'll just go ahead and screen share what's on my uh, application window. Boom. All right. And then, uh, oh. Wait, can I share that? Doesn't look like I actually can. Huh. Uh, okay, there we go. So let's see. Let's go to YouTube. This is my YouTube channel, which you can see here on the screen. And I just started it a few, a couple weeks ago, just for giggles. I haven't been on YouTube in four years, and I thought, you know, I, I I'm way better at making videos now than. I was back when I did use YouTube, so I'll just start using it again, see what happens. And then there's my Joshua TV channel, which I've been heavily investing in for a long time. It's actually through Joshua TV that you can see all my content on both Joshua Radio Network and Roku. So I really like using that site just for those reasons alone. And then, of course, there's HD videos, live streams, public playlists, and Simple and easy to use comment moderation system. It's all it's all fun here on Joshua TV. And with my 92 subs there, I'm actually one of the top 10 channels on this tiny site in terms of subs. And I get hundreds of views on my videos, so that's a good place to find a lot of my content. And then another good place is YouTube, which is a site that Brett's also on. Basically the same thing. I have 161 subs there. You scroll through my channel and I have hundreds of views on a lot of my videos. Some videos even have a thousand plus views. So YouTube is a good place to watch my content and where a lot of people do. And then I have channels on sites like NewTube and BitChute. And I actually plan in the future on starting my own video sharing site. But I guess Brett and I can talk more about that later on after he's gone through 
some of the stuff he wants to talk to me about. But those are the three places you can easily find my content. And Brett's on Joshu TV as well, and he's been uploading a lot of videos there the last couple of days. Hopefully he'll use it to get onto Roku, because then he can brag about being on Roku. <laughs> Which I'm sure would make the atheists and people who don't like Brett make him so mad. Oh, that evil Brett King guy. He's on TV now. How? How? <laughs> but yeah. I, I say that joke because I've seen a lot of atheists in the past basically complain about Brett existing. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if someone did that. But anyway, uh, those are my channels, the three main ones where I get the most traffic, where you can find me the easiest. And then, as you can see on my Joshua TV channel on the banner at the top, I'm also on other social media sites like uh, Loop and Gab and getter next fula and toilet and mines and i'm also on twitter actually again i decided to start using that again because unfortunately a lot of these alt tech sites like gab getter and mines etc they've all started censoring people just like big tech does so i figured ah, i might as well start using big tech platforms again as well as these alt ones since they're all gonna censor you anyway might as well be on them all. Of course, Joshua TV doesn't engage in that. YouTube doesn't engage in that. NewTube doesn't engage in that kind of behavior or draconian stuff. Uh, Loop, which is run by the guy who started Joshua TV, doesn't engage in any of that stuff. And Creation Social, which is my own Facebook alternative, I don't engage in any of that behavior. But we can talk more about Creation Social later on in the video. But those are other places you can find me. And, of course, if you go to the description boxes of any of my YouTube, Joshua TV, huge two videos, you can find the links to all of my stuff. There's also the tap my bio link in the description box of my channel. So that's another place you can go to find all my handles on social media. So I guess Brett's not back just yet. So it's time to have more of that crab chowder. Homemade crab chowder is the best chowder, especially when you got the crab meat in there. And I almost sounded like an advertiser right there. Oh my, I hope I don't get Brett in trouble for that. Although I can't imagine that happening. Yeah, Brett's getting in trouble because he allowed a guest to promote homemade clam chowder on his radio station. Living the high life here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. Sorry about that. Now I understand why the Mormons don't like to drink coffee. They wouldn't be able to do all that running around if they did. Oh, <laughs> goodness gracious. All righty. You ready for some more topics? I really think that you, uh, you'd be an asset to Matt Powell and Kentoven if that's something you'd be interested in. I can uh, hook you up with a phone number and all that if you would like to talk to him sometime if you're interested. I'll have to give it some time because I do a lot of stuff outside of my videos as far as work and other projects that I'm working on, which we'll talk about some of those projects later after you've uh, asked me all the stuff you want to, I'm sure. Well, would you be interested in at least one of the things I do because I, I'm not, I probably will never go out to dinosaur land and participate in it like that. But one thing uh, that you could do is, uh, if you want to, you can give them permission to use some of the arguments and points, put your clips up on their videos and stuff. They've done that for me, and it's pretty cool. Are you ready? 
for the next yep. question. Okay. What is your views on abortion? Do you consider it like some religious folks to be just straight up murder? Or do you feel like there should be punishment, consequences, or do you have another perspective on all of it? Yes, I do fall into the camp of it's murder. And the reason why I do is because that pesky thing called the Bible says that murdering children in the womb carries the same legal punishment in the old covenant as murdering an adult outside the womb. So obviously it's murder on a biblical basis. And then when you look at our law system that we have in America, if you crash into someone like a mother and who's pregnant is in a car driving and you're driving and you cause an accident and she ends up dying, you actually end up getting charged with a double homicide. You get charged for killing her and the baby in her womb. So in that situation, people acknowledge that that's actually a human being in the womb because you're getting charged with a homicide for killing it. But then when it comes to abortion, they basically just made a legal loophole to justify murdering a child. And the loophole was to pretend that the child wasn't human, even though in other parts of the law, they acknowledge that it is. So abortion blatantly contradicts the what the legal system says about the child in the womb being a human being. It's just a legalized loophole for murdering children in the womb. That's are you familiar? Are you familiar with the fact that the founder of Parenthood was a known racist who wanted to use abortion to euthanize uh, children born to blacks? Yep, I am aware of that, and it's disgusting. All right. So when you hear people argue things like "ah, it's nothing more than a collection of cells," how does that work? Since you yourself and I are made of a collection of cells as well. Well, I guess in their minds, they're just lucky to exist. They're just lucky that their parents didn't decide to just, you know, abort and terminate them before they came to fruition. That's I, bet, I guess that's the best argument they could possibly make from their perspective as to, you know, why they're alive. And that's the argument I guess we could all make. But, of course, since I'm a Bible believer and follower of Jesus, I know that that's all hooey. <laughs> I know that we're all special in terms of the fact that we were made by God personally, knitted us together in our mother's womb. You know, he knows all the days of our life and all the things we're going to do and how it's all going to end for us and all that. So I, I can't entertain the idea that we're just clumps of cells. And even if you can prove scientifically that we are just a clump of cells at the beginning when we're first formed in the womb, that clump of cells magically becomes human every single time. It doesn't become like a half-human, half-animal hybrid or anything crazy like that. It becomes a human being every single time. Therefore, from a logical perspective, that has to be human from conception because it doesn't turn into anything else. Have you uh, seen the video I did a while back where I talked about how a woman, she was in a coma for a while, and unfortunately, she was taken advantage of? The reason why I bring this up is I've heard non-believers bring up an argument. They said, well, the fetus isn't going to feel the, the pain, and it's not aware or conscious. Does this mean that it's okay to do what you want to to a person in a coma simply because at that moment, they're not able to be self-aware enough to be able to react to trauma the same way a conscious person would be? Would it make it okay to hurt them and do whatever you want? 
I would say no, but I'd also like to point out that by that logic, then they've just justified murdering developmentally disabled people, or at least certain kinds of them. And that I also find abhorrent because my day job is taking care of such people. And never in a million years would I consider doing something so barbaric to them. But that's where their logic leads. What do you think about Richard Dawkins stating, and I don't know if you've seen the video on this, but Richard Dawkins said, and he's an atheist, I'm pretty sure you know who he is. He said that if you know that your child is going to be disabled, you should be able to end its life. How do you feel about that? Definitely a eugenics argument. Um, It's a very disgusting argument if you value human life, no matter what stage of development it's in. Uh, But I can understand why he would say that. That's where his worldview takes him. So I can't really be upset for Richard Dawkins for following his worldview where it leads, even though it is disgusting and abhorrent. You know, if the entire world were to agree with Richard Dawkins and go along with his eugenics ideas, Stephen Hawking would have never had a chance. Yep, and I wouldn't have been born because there are some people who view people with autism or Asperger's syndrome to be devil spawn who shouldn't be allowed to exist on Earth. So, yeah, if we just all went along with Richard Dawkins, I probably wouldn't exist either. What's your views on capital punishment? Are we talking about the death penalty, basically? Yeah, yeah, whether it's lethal injection, the chair... Uh, whatever the case might be, just ending someone's life. Well, I definitely think there are some people who are so evil and who commit acts that are so evil that, frankly, they forfeit their right to life. And the Bible agrees with me on that. Uh, There's a lot of things in the Bible that you do that, if the Old Covenant were still in effect today, would result in you being killed. Uh, basically blood for blood, eye for eye, life for life, that whole phrase that's in the Old Testament that's basically about retribution. Uh, So yeah, I think capital punishment is fine in certain circumstances. Like, for example, a serial killer who just, you know, kills people out of, you know, whatever sick pleasures they have and they feel no remorse whatsoever for what they're doing and they think it's fun or a game. They need to be put down right away. I think that's the fair and just thing to do. I don't know if you've seen this comment out here, but this person said, why would I force my child into a world just to suffer? If you don't mind me responding, then you're more than welcome to respond to it as well. Mm -hmm. So basically, this person is responding in the same way. There's a, a name for the type of psychopath that says things like that. They're called the angel of death. Interesting name, right? Where they basically say that the only mercy and compassion that you can do is take people out in their lives so they never have to suffer. That's exactly what an angel of death would say, according to psychology. What's your thoughts? Hmm. Why would I force my child in a world just to suffer? Well, how do you know that they're going to be suffering? Like, their example, there are people who make that same argument about folks with Down syndrome. But you actually work with people with Down syndrome like I have in my working career. And those are some of the happiest people on planet Earth. I'm envious of that. I can't imagine someone not being allowed to live on Earth just because, well, you know, 
there's some negative side effects, but these side effects make them happier than pretty much anyone else on the earth. Therefore, we shouldn't allow them to live. I've been around those kind of uh, people with those kind of disabilities, and they have such joy in their life, even if they're not really doing much of anything. And it just makes everything pleasant and they're fun to be around. And it gives you joy when you're actually working, you know. So, yeah, I can't imagine uh, that kind of argumentation being valid because you don't know what kind of suffering you're gonna they're going to go through. And you don't know what kind of joy they'll bring to other people, even if it's not someone with Down syndrome. I've worked with other clients who uh, had all kinds of disabilities and ailments going on who, you know, in the eyes of people like this, wouldn't want them to exist because they just suck up our resources but this person, much like people with Down syndrome, was really happy and brought a lot of joy to people's lives in terms of the people who worked with him. And when you actually went out and did the things in the community that he likes to do with him, he's the happiest clam you've ever been around. And being around people who can have that much joy in very mundane uh, circumstances, that's something special to be a part of in retrospect. So. Yeah, I would never say, yeah, let's just kill someone before they're born because they might suffer in their life. Well, you don't know what kind of joy they could also bring. You don't know what they could end up accomplishing. You don't know what they're going to do. God does, but you don't. I don't. Brett doesn't. No one does other than God. So we don't have the authority to make those judgment calls. All right. Now we're ready for another upbeat topic. School shootings, would you be able to give me your theory on why it is whenever prayer and religion and faith was allowed in school, why it is we never heard of a school shooting, where we never had to be concerned with people just coming in and bombing the place or taking out random students and such? Why is it that when prayer was removed out of school, almost instantly we started hearing more and more about death? And destruction within our mm -hmm. education system. Why? Well, actually, I, I've talked about this in my books and in videos in the past, but about 110, 115, 120 years ago, depending upon where you want to start, there was a push in the academic world to actually get rid of God and Jesus and the Bible and everything from the academic world. That started in the early 1900s, like 1910, 1905, something like that. And over the course of the years that have passed since these people made that declaration, they infiltrated all of the institutions and took them over. And basically, they were successful in getting God and the Bible kicked out of the schools and getting kicked out of people's lives in that regard. And it is during this same time span, not only did you see the giant increase in school shootings, but basically all of the most horrible wars that have ever taken place in human history have been during this same time span. So there seems to be a direct correlation between an increase in war and violence and getting rid of God in your daily life and in your education system and in the upbringing of the next generation. There's a direct correlation between the two, and that's just way too convenient to be a coincidence. It has to be valid. They have to be related to each other. That is, uh, that's true. I, I never thought of it on that level. I, I seen the stats and the school shootings seem to do that. 
but I never thought of uh, the whole idea that there's definitely a big correlation between war and all that. That's an interesting find there, Mr. TPOR. Well, come on, World War One, World War Two, and all the uh, Korean War, Vietnam, all the other wars in other countries, all in the last 120 years. I mean, we think about a lot of these wars that we like to refer to today. They all occurred, or at least most of them occurred, during this same time span. That is massive. Oof, I wouldn't mind seeing some of the videos that you've put forth on that. When you get an opportunity, try re-uploading some of those that you've got out there or provide me some links. I'd like to hear some more of your thoughts on that. All right, the uh, you've heard me say this a couple times. Are you aware, I, I think that you have heard me say this, but atheists have the highest substance abuse rate. That means they are most likely to get into drugs and alcohol and things that uh, bring depressants into their existence. However, they also have the highest suicide rate. Even if you were to combine Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and paganism, and the world religions combined, it wouldn't hold a candle to the suicide rate of atheists. But they say that they don't need the Bible for morals and happiness and joy. Is this true? Well, the statistics would say no. <laughs> but, I mean, it kind of makes sense why they'd end up doing that, because atheism at the end of the day doesn't have any kind of end game. There's no uh, incentive to even be good. There's not even a standard, really, of what good is, so... I mean, at the end of the day, you're just taking up space, sucking up air, sucking up resources, and there's no real ultimate purpose for you if atheism is true. So suicide is kind of inevitable when you take that seriously enough. So I'm not surprised that they would be at the top of the ladder in terms of committing suicide. Why do you think a person with an atheistic worldview, I've spoken of it a hundred times, but I'd like to hear your opinion, why is being an atheist lacking a belief in deities, destiny, fate, life, afterlife? Why do, why is it so detrimental on the person's psyche? You still there? Are you playing chowder? Can you hear me? No, it just went dead quiet. I think you might have accidentally muted your mic. Well, it says I'm not muted. Can you hear me still? I can hear you now. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hit the mute button. But anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Uh, a lot of these people... Uh, hmm, where, what was I talking about, Brett, before you... Uh, we you were talking I, about your opinion on why it is uh, without God and without some of the viewpoints, the atheist uh, lacks the right and wrong, the good and evil. And we were talking a little bit about the meaningless that, that they fall into by not having God, where there's a correlation of suicide. Right. And basically, it's where their worldview leads. And <laughs> I mean, look, if, if you could convince me that there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no God, there's no Jesus, Bible's wrong, gospel's false, atheism's true, and evolution's true, and all that stuff's true. If you can convince me that there is no objective moral standard that exists outside the human mind, 
I would become a pretty horrible person pretty quickly. I could justify a lot of things, a lot of behaviors that people would find morally rehensible. I would be able to justify those behaviors really quickly because I'd be able to just make up my own standard to live by. And by golly, that's what I'll do to justify what I'm going to do. And if anyone doesn't like it, well, tough titties. There's no ultimate arbiter to determine whether something's right or wrong. It's all subjective opinion according to the individual, according to the culture. But at the end of the day, no one's right. No one's wrong. We just make it up as we go. That's the world that would be reality if atheism was true and i would become a bad person very quickly and i think most people who are christians would tell you the same thing well mountain lion there's a lot of atheists that have ended up in prison and uh, i'm sure that whenever they were committing their crimes they probably assumed that they were so clever and intelligent that no one was going to catch them so <laughs> i mean that's it's the deal it's not a matter of oh i'm going to go out and do wrong based upon society but if your morals are based upon society or the rules of the jungle then society depending on where you're at can vouch for many different things there's some countries that endorse pedophilia marrying children who what are you going to say against that if you have no objective reasons mm -hmm. or points against it what are you going to say against cannibalism what can you say against murder depends on who's getting killed and who's doing the killing as george carlin always said and let's make it more contemporary uh this whole russia ukraine war going on if it's true that society determines morality and all that jazz, then we can't condemn Russia or Ukraine for any of the things they do that are bad. You can't do it because what Russia's doing is what's best for Russia, and they can justify what they're doing. And Ukraine and all the genocides their government has committed over the last eight years leading up to this against Russian people, they were justifying not intervening in all these genocides and even profiting from them and they could justify all manner of things. So if we're going to go with this society determines what's right and wrong, then we don't stand in any position whatsoever to condemn another country for how they conduct themselves at a government and state level. Which is, what makes, right. the, which is what makes the Democrats and all the rhino Republicans and all the lemmings who are like, oh, Russia bad, defend Ukraine, I stand with Ukraine. Those people are such flaming hypocrites especially the ones who are atheists huge hypocrites and the little man can't condemn his own government either even if we felt like our own country was doing wrong what are we going to say we say you're doing wrong based upon who and what right you know i mean if, if they're the ones that get to determine what's right and wrong then you dissenting means absolutely dick diddly it does Oof, that's rough. All right. There went, there went civil rights, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be able to do more of these live shows and stuff with you, TTOR, but I don't know if you've noticed StreamYards is ignorant as hell whenever it comes to $20 a month. My goodness, that's three Happy Meals right there and some fries. Are you Now, you look into a lot of social media stuff, and I told you I'd bring this up with you, too. Let's get off the, the nasty, naughty, non-believer thing just for a little while, even though it's exciting and fun. Um, right. Is there any social media sites that have something like StreamYards that we're able to go live through that don't expect me to donate blood in order to use it? Joshua TV's integrated Jitsi into the site. 
it basically works like StreamYard. You can't like add custom banners and stuff, but you have the same screen share, the same camera options. You can live stream to your Joshua TV channel from the room. Uh, it's like StreamYard, but it's free. Hmm. Is it able to connect to other uh, servers like our stream or restream to be able to connect to YouTube and all that? Not only that, but Joshu TV for a while now actually has its own restream feature in the live stream settings. You can actually restream to theoretically any other streaming site on the internet, as long as that site isn't blocking the connection. See, StreamYards has kind of a limited time to it. I know that I can stream clearly and good using my uh, like OBS software and all that, mm -hmm. but I'm not exactly sure how I would be able to put somebody's webcam in the in the uh, on the outside because let's say for instance I put this screen up while I'm using uh, OBS. Mm -hmm. Well, if I were to bring somebody up on the screen, they might be able to do something goofy. And how would I zoom it in to where it would just show like your webcam and not all the crap underneath? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, well, as far as I haven't used the uh, Jitsi part much on Joshu TV, as far as I can tell, it works pretty much the same thing as this. Uh, you can shut people's camera off and mute them and all that stuff. But I'm pretty sure StreamYard does that, too. So it's the same in that regard. Uh, I'll have to look guess, into it some more for sure. But the good What's news about the good news about uh, go ahead. I was just gonna, the last thing I wanted to say about that is since it's all tied into Joshu TV, Joshu TV is not going to platform you if some Yahoo does decide to do something like that because Josh is the one running it. I talk to him every day. I'm actually one of the moderators on Joshu TV now, even though the amount of moderation I do is practically non-existent. I basically just look at a few comments here and there, but uh, yeah, I know who's running that site. And if someone were to come in and try and do something goofy on your stream there, you're not going to get like your channel banned or your video taken down because someone flagged it. It's not going to happen there. It's not like YouTube. Is there a way to export the video? I know that you can import videos, but what about yeah, uh, once a video is, uploaded to your channel there's actually a download button on the video itself that you can use to download it to your computer directly and then you can just mirror it wherever else you want Oof! doing one of these live shows though boy that can be big a huge file yeah it depends right. on what it is but you know it's funny since we're talking about joshua tv uh he's actually not spending that much money per month uh to handle all this stuff. I think his monthly budget is about 420, 430 bucks to run all of this stuff. And he handles some pretty big streams too. So uh, it's actually not that costly for him to handle your kind of streams. Right. All right. I'll have to check into that. I guess uh, another interesting question about uh, atheism, and then we'll move on to like modern day news and some of the things we've, seen in the past couple of years but can you name off the top of your head three atheists that have ever actually invented anything good or came up with their own theory that didn't rely on the idea first coming from a theist hmm well i'm drawing a big goose egg unfortunately <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's some atheist scientists somewhere out there that have 
invented or heavily contributed to an invention that benefited us in some way, but nothing major. No, I can't think of any major things that atheists contributed to science other than evolution and deep time and stuff like that. Yeah, but but evolution was come up with by Darwin, and Darwin said that it's mm. not possible for it to work without there being an intelligent mind or consciousness yeah. behind it. So Richard Dawkins is actually working off the back of a theist. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot about Charles Darwin's backstory that is cause for debate about whether or not he actually was a Christian or if he just paid lip service to it. I got a whole slew of books over on my bookshelf behind me de- talking about his life in great detail so that's a topic for a whole nother day but you're right if we assume that darwin actually was a theist or a christian then you would be right then all the evolutionists and atheists would be working off the back of a christian when they adhere to this evolution idea the problem though that comes to my mind is just because a christian says something doesn't necessarily mean it's true even if they say true things about other topics so when it comes to origins we have a clear standard and teaching taught by the bible and uh, you have to compare that to everything that's presented to you that's not from the bible and unfortunately evolution fails the sniff test so even if we agreed that darwin was a christian it wouldn't mean that his theory was true. Because Christian an interesting be- question from somebody out there. They directed at me, and I've actually talked about this quite a few times, but I wouldn't mind hearing your view on it. The person calls himself communist gay dude. I don't know if you see the comment on the screen there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> he says, Brett, he goes, Brett, why do you believe that you need a God to be moral? Why not just base your morality off of promoting happiness for your fellow man? Apparently, he's never heard the Jeffrey Dahmer quote. But go ahead. Go ahead. What's your, uh, what would you say? Uh, happiness according to who, communist gay dude? What do you mean by happiness? Who gets to define it? what ha- makes someone happy? I mean, a serial killer murdering a whole bunch of people, that could make him happy. So if promoting happiness is the end goal, then serial killer it is see that's the problem this is why you need a god and an objective moral standard outside the human mind because then everything is subjective based on the individual or the society or some other self-proclaimed authoritarian group and that means none of it's real it's all subjective you can't condemn anything if you take god out of the equation so yeah his whole question it basically he doesn't realize the question he's asking. He doesn't realize the flaw in it because he doesn't think deeply enough about what he's asking. He doesn't think at all. All right. The fact is, communist gay dude, if you were to presuppose that there is a God, that would mean that we have a prime mover that has created objective reality. That's uh, one of TTOR's favorite things that he's got with this page, right? Mm-hmm. Objective reality means that the prime mover is also has constructed objective morality within this reality. That means that there is a set right and a set wrong, whether you like it or believe in it or not. Without this, though, you have nothing but subjective opinion. You have absolutely no right whatsoever to tell an atheist like Stalin that he shouldn't kill over 80 million people. 
Who are you to tell him? Who gave you the power and authority to say so? Yeah, and plus he's doing it from a position of retrospect anyway. I mean, if he had been there at the time, his arguments would have meant nothing. He's only able to criticize it today because it was a thing in the past and he's not living through it. And take a look at this. He says, yeah, but murdering others removes the ability for others to be happy. Well, maybe it'll make the tribe happy to get rid of all the disabled people, the old people, and anyone that's holding the tribe back. That's less food and resources. That makes everybody happy, right? Right. And plus, who cares about other people being happy? Who says that that's an objective moral standard that people should have the right and ability to be happy? Who who made that objective standard, that objective moral claim? If there's no God, no one did. It's just something you're saying. That claim that others should have the ability to be happy and murdering them removes that ability and therefore it's wrong. That means nothing. The argument is invalid if there is no God period and even if there was any validity it wouldn't matter because it's subjective <laughs> all subjective Oof, all of it's subjective that's rough so modern day news as you know we uh we got to doing making videos on bit shoot and we were talking with fake news and all the rhetoric and propaganda I almost felt like we were back in stalin's time again right so do you feel like anything's have actually changed? Has it gotten better now that they got rid of the guy that they hated so much with orange hair? Where are you at on that? Oh, the fake news has only gotten worse. The level of propaganda has only gotten worse. I just don't cover it as much as I did when Trump was in office because it's just not that interesting anymore. When Trump was in office, Trump was a figure who could give you a lot of material for responding to and having a good time with he was someone that you generally enjoyed watching his banter and watching him go back and forth with his critics but biden is a dementia patient who's apparently off his meds and out of the nursing home he, he can't do anything and his handlers are inept and it's just a whole crap sandwich as you like to say and it's not entertaining at all it's just one big cringe and so i kind of focus less on Covering the fake news, even though there's a plethora of it out there still to cover, I just I focus on more of the tech stuff and the religion stuff because that's always relevant to what's going on now. And it's more interesting now than the fake news issue is because the current administration is basically just one big cringe party. I've had people accuse me of saying, oh, you're you're one of them people watch Fox News, right? I don't believe any of the news. I, I right. think Tucker Carlson's funny. He could be a comedian, but I don't uh, listen to him and go, ah, I've just been told the gospel. No, I watch <laughs> the news and I think, man, these people are nuts. They'll say and do anything for money, man. Right. So I, I don't know. What is your thoughts? Is there any news out there that we can watch where we can say, ah, there we go? Well, most of the news I get comes from independent content creators or from alt-media organizations like InfoWars, for example. But even when I'm looking at those folks analyzing the media that they're analyzing, I don't turn my brain off. I think about what they're saying and if what they're saying is valid in terms of their analysis of the situation, I, I go along with it. But if what they're saying doesn't quite jive with what I know to be true, then 
you know, I take you with a grain of salt and I don't just blindly believe what I see on Infowars or on like Styx's channel or Mark Dice's channel or any other independent creator who covers news and topics. I actually use some uh, discernment when I'm consuming news, which apparently is something that's considered to be archaic. Not many people apparently practice this anymore. Not a lot of people actually discern what they're looking at when they're consuming news. I mean, some people still do, but as far as like the people who are hip and on the internet and using all the social media sites, that it's less of a thing. Here we go with some more stuff from our gay communist friend. He says, just because something isn't objective doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Through empathy, I can understand what it's like to suffer, so I can extend that to others, much like how I would like. And I've heard that from a lot of non-believers. I've heard them say they've got all this empathy. But who's doing all the charities? Who's the ones in the groups out there who are actually going out and trying to help people? Sure, you can pick a, about a handful of atheists who've done some pretty cool things. But in the majority, it's just pretty much all talk. You say, I don't need the Bible. I don't need the morals. I don't need any of this in order to do good. Then what is good to you? Insulting religious people all day on the Internet? Yay! Exciting stuff. I'm sure that makes them feel real good when you do that. All right. Just because something isn't objective doesn't mean doesn't have value. Uh, says you. That's just a subjective claim on your part. That's not objectively true. When's that going to sink into you? Everything you say that's a claim about reality, if your worldview is true, it's subjective, not objective. Once you realize that, then we can have fruitful interactions. Ooh, bringing the heat, bringing the heat. So what about social media? Obviously, our buddies out here are going to continue to ask questions, and that's fine. I love some of the responses you're throwing out there. But whenever it comes to social media, you've probably heard of this Facebook meta crap that's going on and uh, some of this other stuff. Is right. social media right. going to get better, or is it just going to turn into a bloodbath, get worse, degrade, entropy? Big, uh, big tech's definitely going to get worse, and... Alt tech will probably get worse as well because they'll try to replicate the same stuff and then claim, well, ours is better because we're running it and we're about freedom of speech and we're against the globalists. And this is not something hypothetical either. Andrew Torba, the CEO of Gab, there was a day a few months back where he condemned Facebook metaverse as being a satanic mind control device. But then 20 minutes later on his Gab account, he shares a blog post that he wrote where he said that the concept of a metaverse was good if people like him were running it. Because you see, when people like him are running their own version of the Facebook metaverse, they're doing it for the Lord. And therefore, it's good. And we should just accept this technology and use it to reach people with the gospel. And so I strongly condemned that when that came out a few months ago, and I still stand by that today. Uh, this stuff's going to get worse. It's all satanic mind control devices, and it doesn't matter who's running it. It's all bad. And so if anyone who claims to be on your side says, I'm going to make my own version of it, and it's going to be great because I'm running it, don't buy it. Run from that person. Run from them. Because that is nothing but mind control, as they say. I mean, a virtual world, first of all, is not real. It's just pixels on a screen that you experience through your VR goggles. 
And then you start having scenarios like Gamer, or you start having scenarios like uh, the movie Surrogates of Bruce Willis, where basically people live their entire lives through the VR goggles in the virtual world, and the real world around them goes to crap because they're stuck in their VR goggles all day and doing the bare minimum to stay alive. I mean, if people get so absorbed into being in the virtual world all the time, it's going to be a lot easier for the New World Order to create the prison planet system that they want and then turn it online. It's going to be a lot easier to do that if everyone's stuck in their little virtual worlds doing whatever they're doing in there. But the idea of virtual worlds is interesting. And uh, I'm actually about to uh, release a, an original superhero novel sometime in the near future. And then when I make a sequel to that novel, the issue of the metaverses is actually going to be explored in the sequel. How many books have you written? Tell me a little bit about your books. Tell the audience about it. Well, I've written two Christian apologetics books. The first one is called Another Inconvenient Truth, What Secular America Hates. I put that out in 2014 and then a second edition in 2016 as a paperback and Kindle download. And right now I'm working on an original superhero novel that is uh, going to be very unique, very powerful. Uh, my book reviewer right now, who's like editing the manuscript, he's read the first seven chapters out of what's going to be a 30-chapter book, and he said it was very, very catchy. I'm actually going to bring up my uh, website really quick because I just made a page for my book recently. And I think if I show you that page and read the brief summary that's on it, I think you guys will get the idea of what that book's going to be all about. Let's take all a right. look. Yep. So share, screen, screen, go to application, boom. All right. Can we see this Hanover? Yeah. Hanover is an upcoming original superhero novel by Justin Derby. This is the cover right here. I hired someone to create the art that you see there. And I don't know about you, but I thought it was really snazzy. And then below the cover, I have the summary that's going to be on the book, on the back cover. The Any year way is... we can zoom up on the picture? I got bad eyes. Uh, well, I guess we can zoom up for your sake. Uh, is that better or more? Yeah, kind of feels... Uh kind of batman vibe to it and punisher yeah a little bit but anyway this is what the summary says the year is 2025 new covid19 variants kept magically appearing the vaccine and mask mandates never went away vaccine passports are now a reality when the governor of oregon issues an executive order mandating the use of vax past 9000 in order to buy and sell the residents of a small oregon town of hanover publicly resist the governor's executive order in retaliation for their dissent, the governor of Oregon unleashes the U.N. Coronavirus Task Force on the town, resulting in the murder of the residents of Hanover. One man, however, has survived the purge of Hanover. Given the strength of Samson and protected by the Lord, John Barton is appointed by Jesus to judge those responsible for the murder of his town and is sent out on a journey that will cross paths with the U.N. Coronavirus Task Force, Antifa, the world's greatest assassin, and the evil supernatural forces behind it all. For John to succeed, he must become Hanover. 
Now, why is he called Hanover for? What's the what's the catch on that? He named himself after his town because ah, that's who he. Oh yes, I get you now. Okay. So Hanover is both the name of the town he lives in that gets destroyed by the UN Coronavirus Task Force, and he adopts it as his superhero name. Basically, as as you'll see when the book comes out and you actually read it. He's asked about uh, who he is, and he identifies himself as Hanover because, as he tells the people in the book, I'm all that's left of it. Like, Hanover's in ruins, and he's the only survivor, and basically, yeah, as far as he's concerned, as far as what Hanover used to be, as far as the people were, he's all that's left, and so... He basically is not just fighting for himself and avenging himself. He's avenging all the people who were murdered. The action is scenes. There a, uh, is there now? Does the villain remain in this, or is this something where he comes into existence later to deal with a, a future problem, or is it the the same government he's going after? Well, the globalists obviously are not going to be. because well, I'm not going to like go against Bible prophecy in this series. So the globalists are not going to be overthrown in this book or in any of its sequels. There's going to be a demonic spirit that's introduced in the book. Who's going to uh, be present in the sequels as well. Uh, But as far as all the villains, now there's going to be villains who die in this book. The main villain at the end, that's the big final battle. He's not making it past this book. There's people like him though, that will be, in one of the sequels, but the main villain of this book is going to die in this book. And it's going to be one of the most epic battles anyone's ever read in a science fiction superhero novel. If it's not too much of a spoiler, what is the abilities of the villain? Because this guy is as strong as Samson. So is he dealing with a smart guy or somebody who's like real tough? Are you familiar with the Nephilim as described in the Book of Enoch, chapters 6 and 7? Yes. He fights one of those. That's the main villain of the book. Oof, that's rough, man. Mm -hmm. Basically a half-angel, half-human hybrid that not only is super strong and powerful, but it also eats people. The book that I've written is going to be very graphic as far as the violence goes. Nothing in the way of like sexual content, not much in the way of actually, I don't think there's any profanity at all in the book, but the violence and the behavior of the main Nephilim villain, it's going to be very graphic. It's going to be hard probably for some people to read my book, but a lot of people will appreciate it, I think. Well, my goodness, I hope later when you get an opportunity, you post some of this stuff to the website. This was neat. I didn't know you had something like this going. Yeah, it's a project I've been working on since uh, basically almost a year now. Um, I'm basically just putting the final touches on the final draft with my reviewer, and it'll hopefully be out sometime in the next month or two. At at worst, it'll be a summer release, like a big summer blockbuster. (laughs) But now this will be, as far as action scenes go, this will be one of the best books anyone's ever read. So yeah, that's uh, that's the Hanover book I have coming out. <clears throat> All right, my next question for you is going to bring you back into the uh, religious hemisphere. 
Whenever it comes to denominations, is there certain ones that you gravitate towards and others you definitely stay away from, all in the, I guess, the the claim of, the broad claim of it being Christianity? Do you understand what I'm asking? Basically, my thoughts on the concept of denominations. Yeah, which ones do you gravitate towards that you feel tell the closest or at least the truth about things and which ones do you think and eh, kind of stay away from well i'm non-denominational i don't really like the idea of denominations because in my personal experience of observing them people tend to develop a loyalty that's stronger towards the denomination than it is towards jesus and the bible and it takes them down rabbit holes that they don't need to go down and so I just focus personally on what the Bible says and stick with that. And I don't really bother with denominations. I mean, if you watch my channel for years, I also don't run around condemning denominations wholesale. You know, like, oh, if you're part of a denomination, then you're bad or satanic. I don't I don't get crazy like that. I mean, if you're a see, if you're a Calvinist, if you're a, a Protestant, uh, you call yourself Catholic, although. Roman Catholicism, I don't really consider to be Christianity for a lot of reasons, but I won't get into that because we got other stuff to talk about. But yeah, if you're part of a denomination specifically and you identify as part of that denomination, I'm not going to go out of my way to condemn you. I just tend to focus on what the Bible says and focus on that, focus on Jesus and sticking with those things because that's what's supposed to matter at the end of the day. I mean, after all, when Jesus told people about the judgment that was going to come at the end of time, he didn't say he was going to judge you based off of what denomination you're a part of. He said he's going to judge you by the scriptures. So if that's what he's going to judge us by, I'm just going to focus on that. And I'm not even going to mess around with the different denominations and try and figure out which one's true, which one's not, which one best lines up with the Bible. I'm not even going to bother with any of that in my personal life, because Jesus isn't going to judge us by that. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. The next question I have for you is, uh, what is, do you feel like your experiences have been positive with other people of faith as well as non-believers? What has your experience has been like, uh, of the routine or a pattern or consistency you notice? Well, there's always exceptions to the general rules, but uh, yeah, and they can go both ways. Like you, I think you could agree with me in your personal experience. As many atheists as there are that are nasty towards people like us and who can't have a civil conversation with us because it's just frankly beyond their capabilities. As many of those as there are, there are some atheists that are definitely a little more pleasant to be around and certainly more agreeable and reasonable and willing to actually have conversations. And then on the other side of the fence, there's Christians who are the same way, who you can have reasonable conversations with. And there's also people who call themselves Christians who, well, they don't behave much differently than the atheists I described. So you can see both kinds of people on both sides of the aisle. But I would say in general, my experiences talking to other Christians are a little bit more pleasant than talking to other atheists in general. But that's just, you know, been my life experience. I'm sure there's someone out there who can 
at least claim, if not prove, that they have the opposite experience. But that's been my experience has been what I described. Our buddy out here, Mr. Communist uh, Gay Dude, he says, from what I've seen, almost no Christian denomination actually adheres to the Bible. Well, I've got a, a suggestion for you. Why don't you become a Christian today and show everybody how it's done right? Very good, sir. Very good. Yeah, I I actually kind of agree with him there. At least, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, there's a lot of... It's not just a denomination thing, too. There are a lot of Christians who don't adhere to the Bible, either not either in the whole or, in most cases, in part. So he's technically right, but that's not a good reason to justify rejecting the Bible because you're judging the faith based on the behavior, its adherence, and not the actual teachings of the book, of the source of the worldview. Now, when you can judge the source of the worldview in that manner and reject it, fine, whatever, but that's what you should be judging the Bible, biblical worldview by. You shouldn't be judging it by, you know, oh, what's Justin like? What's Brett like? What are these people like? I, I don't judge things by the behavior of the adherents. I mean, like when I judge atheism and evolution in my book, especially my book, and to a lesser extent in my videos, most of the time I'm judging it by what it teaches as far as the paradigm. And I use specific evolutionists and atheists as examples of that paradigm, but I don't judge evolution and atheism based off of just the behavior and the teachings and sayings of the atheists and evolutionists. All right, I got an unusual question for you, and I'm sure the non-believers as well as other religious folks will get a kick out of this question. If you and I were to visit a gaming shop that has 10 of the most upgraded computers there are, 10 of the greatest consoles that have ever existed, and then you and I take turns with baseball bats and break every one of these things into little tiny pieces, and then we dump it all in a bag, how long would we need to shake it before we could pull out a working Game Boy? Wow, um, that makes me really sad, actually, because I'd like one of those computers that were destroyed. <laughs> well, me too. I understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as you know, how much do we have to shake the pieces together to make a Game Boy? Uh, never going to happen, ever. Even actually, if we use the greatest materials that are already existing, already set up, we're not going to get anything, not even a toaster? Nope. Everything like that has to be designed. That's our personal experience. I'm actually glad that you brought up video games because that was actually a point I made with a certain evolutionist YouTuber named, I think Sir Sick was his name. Basically, he made the argument that... Uh, you didn't need a designer for design or something like that. Like you didn't need an intelligent designer to design anything. And I pointed out that he would never buy that argument if it was applied to anything else. You know, if you got a copy of like uh, some video game that recently came out and it was all buggy and defective, you wouldn't assume that there was no developer behind the game because of that. You would just assume that the, developer really dropped the ball with the developing the game and basically you would demand a recall and ask them to fix the game and give you a fixed version or uh if your blu-ray player wasn't working for some reason you would either assume that something's wrong with the player 
or that something's wrong with the disc that you're using, you wouldn't assume that there was no developer behind the player and you wouldn't assume there was no manufacturer behind the disc that you're using. You just wouldn't do it. I mean, the idea of there being no intelligent designer behind design, evolutionists and atheists reject that argument in every situation in life except for origins. It's only on origins that they believe the argument that design can occur without a designer. And when they do this, it makes them look quite foolish, in my opinion. There's another good analogy right there, which you just brought up. What is the ugliest, least graphical game you've ever seen in your entire life? And you can go all the way back to the Commodore days and Atari, if you like. <laughs> What's the worst? Uh, the game that comes... Now, this game isn't the worst, but certainly not attractive. Uh Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace for the original PlayStation, a game that even on PlayStation standards was not good-looking graphically, was considered a bad game, even on that console in that time, but it was so bad that it was good and fun to play, especially when you turned on the cheat codes. That was a pretty awful game, but I would never have assumed there was no developer behind the game. I would not have assumed... Nah, there's no LucasArts studio behind this game. No. <laughs> right. I can't think of even the most weakest of graphical games out there that I could actually truthfully say, yeah, that thing developed itself. It just came into existence all by itself. Seems like anything that involves a simulation, a universe, or npcs or characters uh with you know pretend responses there has to even be a designer behind that i've never seen anything uh, outside of that thought process that's a good point too the npc characters in video games sure they're not controlled by players and therefore there there's no intelligent agent behind them but their behaviors and the, all the stuff they do their physical appearance it was all programmed by an intelligent mind and a, a developer so yeah, you have design with a designer behind it, even if it's just, you know, a stupid NPC. There was still a mind behind that. I love this comment out here. This guy says, also, Brett, you should become a Christian socialist. I'll be happy to fight alongside you then. So basically, if I'm not a socialist, this guy doesn't give a damn about me. <laughs> the irony well, is I can... I can see why you think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Socialism and Christianity do not mix whatsoever. Even if there's some superficial things they agree on, you get down to the core issues. They are diametrically opposed to each other. So Brett's not going to become a Christian socialist any sooner or more than I am. <clears throat> We talked a little bit about the evolution concept. What about abiogenesis? You believe we talked about game developing and all this stuff. And a lot of non-believers, I heard them argue, oh, but a single cell isn't that complex when we very well know that it's absolutely, it's according to Dawkins, it's like an entire library filled with encyclopedia books. Is it possible for anything to come into existence like that without guidance? Uh, never been demonstrated once. And that's where I could also refer back to what I said earlier in the show when evolutionists and atheists will be like, well, look at this experiment over here. 
this scientist or group of scientists was able to get life to come from non-living material. See, this proves that life can come into existence from non-life without a designer, without an intelligent mind behind it. But the scientists themselves would be the intelligent mind and they set up the variables and everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So anytime that kind of experiment is brought up as evidence of life coming from non-life, you, you know they've lost. Because we can appeal to the same experiments to prove intelligent design, but they wouldn't accept that for one second. Not, not even one second. All right, here's an interesting question for you. Um, whenever it comes to the universe, uh, do you believe with all these planets that they claim exist out there, do you believe that God put any life anywhere else but besides Earth? No, I mainly because I haven't seen evidence of it presented and I don't see any evidence in the Bible of it. But since you brought that up, that does bring up the instance of the, uh, I think it's called the Fermi Paradox. Let me make sure that's it. Uh, Fermi Paradox. It's a specific paradox that deals with what you're bringing up. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Fermi Paradox. So basically the idea behind the Fermi Paradox is that if aliens exist in the way that a lot of atheists and evolutionists and other people say that they do, you know, extraterrestrial beings with technology far advanced, way beyond our own and all this stuff, and it's all the product of evolution. If these if these aliens exist, then how come there's no evidence whatsoever in our observable reality supporting the existence of these creatures? That's the basic idea behind the Fermi paradox. There is no observable evidence supporting the existence of extraterrestrials anywhere in this universe. And so people who deal with this issue, they basically try to explain why this is the case. Like, well, maybe these alien civilizations and these aliens did exist in the past, but then something happened, whether they destroyed themselves or some kind of you know cataclysmic thing happened that wiped them all out. And so basically there, there's no evidence of their existence, but we know they exist. That's, that's what it comes down to is... Uh, the argument that comes down to people dealing with the Fermi paradox, trying to explain why they believe aliens exist, even though there's no evidence, the common defense they go to is that the fact that they don't exist, the fact that there is no evidence for their existence proves that they exist. That's the argument they end up having to make when they deal with the Fermi paradox. Right. They're using the, the absence of evidence to try to prove something. Yes, the absence of evidence is the evidence that they exist. <laughs> I mean, you would think no one would buy that, but people who believe in aliens tend to believe in aliens even when they know there's no evidence. And so they have to make up stories like that to basically justify their beliefs. Uh, I know that Computing Forever, I think it was back in 2018, did a video where he was talking about the Fermi paradox and he was trying to explain why aliens exist, even though there's no evidence for their existence. And 
I think Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666 himself did a similar video in 2019, I believe. So I that's how I uh, got into the topic of the Fermi paradox. And once you understand the Fermi paradox, it becomes a lot easier to deal with the issue of aliens existing or not in our universe. Right. I see myself as a person that's open, but I'm not going to argue for something uh, of this nature, especially I'm the first one to intellectually be honest and say, I've never seen evidence for it. The weirdest thing I've ever seen is a couple YouTubers. So that's about it. Right. And <laughs> I would, and I would also say that I'm open-minded too to evidence of aliens existing, but the idea that atheists and evolutionists have is that if we can present evidence that's irrefutable that aliens exist, this would disprove God. But once again, they aren't thinking deeply enough about the topic. Uh, that actually wouldn't disprove God. It would actually require him even more because if you start tracing their origins all the way back to its beginning, you're going to run into the same God problem that you're trying to run away from when it comes to the human race's origins. So... You really can't escape from God, even if we go down that line. So, yeah, yeah. even if you had a trillion, <laughs> even if you had trillions, almost seemingly unlimited life forms existing all over the universe, you're going to get back into regression. You have to have some prime mover for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's see if we got some more stuff for you. What's your thoughts on when, whenever you hear about the concept of hell, what is your view on that? Well, for a long time, I thought hell was a place of eternal conscious torment that God sent people after he judged them. But then over time, I began looking at scriptures in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, like where Jesus talks about how you shouldn't uh, fear the person who can kill your body and then afterwards do no more to you. But you should fear the one who not only can destroy your body, but also your soul. And then you look in Revelation where it talks about how the lake of fire is the second death. And especially, I think, Revelation 20 it is with the great white throne judgment. It says when Satan and his demons are thrown into the lake of fire, they suffer eternal conscious torment. But when all the human beings who reject God and are not found in the book of life, when they're thrown into the lake of fire, it says that they experience the second death. Combined with what Jesus said, this makes me think that people whose names are not found written in the book of life at the great white throne judgment, it makes me think they're not going to suffer eternal conscious torment. They're going to be wiped out of existence. Their souls are going to be destroyed when they're thrown into the lake of fire and they'll cease to exist. Because the alternative to what I just said is that you have a God who's capable of destroying people's souls, but never actually does. Because if you put someone through eternal conscious torment, they never experience a second death. Their soul never dies. They just get tortured forever with no end in sight. And then it would make Jesus's threat that God can destroy your soul as well as your body. It wouldn't be a threat at all. It wouldn't be worth worrying about. Right. But, it wouldn't be the second death. It'd be the second inconvenience. Right. It's like. Yeah, you wouldn't be worried about God's ability to destroy your soul because you would think he's never going to do it in any circumstance. But if he's going to destroy your soul when you're tossed into the lake of fire, then Jesus's warning makes more sense. 
Well, do me a favor real quick. I don't know if you're able to see the uh, comments, but promote some more of your channels and all that and some of the uh, stuff that you've worked on creatively. And then I'm going to be right back and throw a couple more questions at you. You got some more time? Yes, I do. I do. All um, right. I'll be right back then. Do you want to share your screen so I can hit add real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get that going. Uh, all right. Where's my screen share? All right, here yeah, we go. Just as I was walking out of the room last time and was able to get it for you, I want to make sure we got this covered for you. All right, uh, I'll be right back. All right, so once again, I'll just move this over because I think on my website there's a lot of uh, social media stuff. Connect, go to social media. So as you can see, I got quite a list here of social media sites that I'm on and some crowdfunding stuff. Creation Social is actually uh, my own Facebook alternative that I made that I founded in on December 26, 2020, when it went online for the first time. And I've been running it ever since. I'll actually just go ahead and log in right now so you can see what the main screen looks like. I'm the head admin of my own site, special privileges and all that. So this is what Creation Social looks like. Facebook alternative. It's also an alternative to Gab because Gab at this point has become a Facebook alternative more than the Twitter alternative it used to be. Uh, you got status updates and you can tag people, upload pictures, color backgrounds. You got emojis, you blog posts, there are games. I have a marketplace. I have a, uh, I have a group chat place where it's text-based you can do forums and there's embeds for videos from sites like joshu tv huge tube and new tube and brighteon and BitChute and youtube and all that jazz and it's a fun little place we got about 700 some total registered users and obviously the number of active users is much smaller but it's a nice chill place the drama is pretty minimal and we share the truth and we talk about the things that you're not allowed to talk about pretty much anywhere else. And uh, it's just a great place that I created a couple years, like a year and a half ago. And then as far as my other stuff goes, uh, of course, you guys have seen my YouTube channel. You've seen Joshu TV. You've seen YouTube. Uh, but if you go back to the others... And then, of course, there's NewTube. And I guess I need to remove the Brighteon one because I haven't uploaded to that in a long time. But I'm also on Loop, which is basically like a, it's mainly a Twitter alternative. It has some Facebook features. Uh, this is Loop in a nutshell. It's an awesome alternative. Once I'm signed in, you can see the feeds. But it's very functional, very simple, easy to use. It's on the Mighty Networks, so if you have the Mighty Networks app, you can access Loop through that, and it's a wonderful app. I enjoy using it. And then, let's see, what's another good one? I'm also on PocketNet, which is part of this whole blockchain decentralized social media universe. Uh, their cryptocurrency that you have there isn't worth much, but I'm on the site. Oh, that's right. It's not PocketNet anymore. It's Bastion. There we go. Ah, it refreshed itself. I didn't even need to do anything. Oh, how pretty that is. And while that's loading up, let's see. I'm also on USA.life. 
with my Truth the Objective Reality page. I'm closing in on 1,000 likes, actually, on that page. And, of course, there's my Gab account. I'm on Gab, where I have over 1,300 followers. And then I'm also on Mines, which Brett's also on, so he could tell you about Mines. And then, come on, show us the money. I have, uh, I'm near closing in on 800 subs on Mines. I'm also on Brighteon Social and Gorf and Exfula. I'm on Maga Book. And then since I brought up all these other things, let's just close out of all of those. Let's actually go to Getter. I'm also on Getter, which is that new uh, alternative to Twitter that was put out by uh, Jason Miller, the former spokesperson for Donald Trump's, I think, 2016 uh, presidential campaign. He started and launched his own uh, Twitter alternative in July of last year. So it's been out for about uh, eight months. And I'm on that, and it's it's all right. You can follow me there and check out my stuff there. Uh, but yeah, those are basically all my social media sites in a nutshell. And then, of course, uh, there's also the YouTube alternative that I plan on starting in the future once I've raised up some money for it. And I know that might make some people squeamish because people like the Amazing Atheist in the past have promised to start up a video sharing site for you. And then once he got the money from you to do so, he didn't do it from what I understand. Or if he did, he did it poorly and then deleted it. I I don't know, remember the exact story behind it, but If you give me the $2,000 I'm asking for here in the quarter campaign that I started on Give, Send, Go, you will get a video sharing site from me that will be an alternative to YouTube. It will run on the A video script, which is what Joshu TV runs off of, but it will have a different user interface than Joshu TV that will be more attractive to your average person's eyes. It will be easier to look at on the eyes. It will be more like YouTube in its appearance. It'll have the logo that you see here on the top of the campaign. It'll have HD videos, live streaming, public playlists, and all the same awesome stuff pretty much that Joshua TV and YouTube give you. And I'll be the one running it. And there will be some creators who I know will join it when it goes online. And basically it has the chance to be the real free speech site that we need because a lot of these alt tech sites like BitChute, Odyssey, and Rumble, where all the millions of people are going to and they're dumping their fan donations into, those sites all compromised in the last year, adopted hate speech policies and community guidelines that are censorious, including guidelines that say they can censor you even if you don't violate their guidelines, uh, not giving you the features they promised, and censoring search results, censoring comments, banning people. A lot of these alt tech sites that gain traction have started doing all the big tech censorship stuff that caused people to leave big tech and go to them in the first place. And so I want to give people a video sharing site that actually champions freedom of speech and will never compromise like that. And it will be feature rich and functional. So that's something that I would like to do as well. Hey, I'm back. I don't know if you knew this, but a long time ago, uh, when I ever started seeing the aggravation happen on YouTube and there wasn't no competitive websites or wasn't even Twitter back then, 
I actually created two video sharing sites that people could become members to and upload things. Problem was people were uploading nudity. They, there were people who were uh, making videos that were very racist and extremely disgusting. Do you feel like there should be any terms of service or just run it like the wild west? Well, on creation social, I don't allow pornography or any kind of lewd sexual content to be posted on the site. I don't allow terrorists to use the site to do their thing. I mean, there's some things that are against the law and stuff that I definitely don't agree with as a Christian that most normal people, Christian or not, also don't find tasteful either. So there's stuff like that I wouldn't allow, but any topic any kind of viewpoint that would get banned anywhere else allow it'll be allowed it's allowed on creation social it would be allowed on any video site that i make in the future so there will be a terms of service but it's not going to uh it's not going to be unreasonable it's going to be something most people would say yeah that's reasonable we're not going to have anything stupid like uh you can't insult the person who founded the site. You can't insult the site. You can't badmouth the site, which is some of the stuff that Truth Social, Trump's platform is doing. Just, just totally stupid. Uh, there won't be anything like that. I mean, if you want to come on Creation Social or any future video site of mine and post content bashing on me or bashing on Christianity, knock yourself out. Do it to your heart's content. You're not going to be censored as long as you don't do something that's blatantly illegal basically it that's the way i would run it uh when you made video sites in the past brett what hosting providers did you use well that was one of the problems i had too i actually uh used the service of something called godaddy i Mm. used uh, a couple really popular servers and unfortunately i uh used a youtube server and then what i would do is i did this kind of chain effect where if a video is uploaded, it would be uh, set on a different thing, but it would be displayed through that. That way I wouldn't run out of storage space. But the problem was you get people who will call up, they'll make complaints, they'll put ignorant stuff on the page, and then they'll complain about the content that's up there when they're the ones that uploaded it. They'll do anything they can to try to screw it up. And I also got hacked once on one of the pages. I didn't think it was possible because they claimed it was a safe server deal. But somebody put the word F-A-G-G-O-T all the way across the page for me. So it it was rough. Yeah, those what you just described is something that I thought about too, in terms of making my own uh, video sharing site and when I launched Creation Social. And as far as Quarter goes, the campaign you see on screen, uh, I thought really hard about how I was going to do this, and I basically settled on. I explained this in the campaign too. Uh, Seeking the Truth, the founder of Joshua TV, founder of Loop. He's had his own hosting service for almost 20 years called Joshu Hosting Services. And basically, he has all the servers you need to host and create a video sharing site. And since I know him personally to the point where we talk almost every day over Delta Chat and other stuff, since I know him personally, talk to him all the time, I'm actually involved with Joshu TV to a small extent. Uh, I know that he's not going to cave to people. Like if a bunch of atheists were to call him up and say, hey, you need to pull the rug out from under the feet of Quarter because, you know, there's all this horrible stuff on the site that we secretly uploaded. 
he's not going to do that. And if like the leftists call him up and say, hey, you know, there's all this hate speech being posted on this site. You need to pull the rug out from quarter. He's going to tell him to take a flying leap. Josh is a really chill, laid back person who just wants people to speak freely. And he has zero interest in censoring anybody on pretty much anything. As long as it's not against the law, he's going to let pretty much anything go. And in terms of hosting quarter, he's not going to care if people complain to him about stuff hosted on the site. I mean, he knows me personally. So like if something illegal was posted on the site and I didn't catch wind of it first, I'm pretty certain he's going to call me up first through Delta chat or something and be like, hey, I was told about this. And, uh, you know, could you look at that? I mean, that's probably the most extreme circumstance that I could see with him. Aside from that, he's pretty much going to tell everyone to take a flying leap to if they try to get him to deplatform something that has no good reason to be deplatformed. So yeah, that's, there's, that's a, kind of... there's a few different video sites out there like Joshua yeah. Who, who I believe are absolutely sincere. I think that they're good sites. But the problem is, is that a lot of these people are using Google and all their apps. And Google has made sure to make sure that other people don't get their apps up there. And they've also learned how to use algorithms to put everybody else either completely extinct off of the search engines are gone. Then these other search engines like DuckDuckGo come along and then they decide to uh, crash. And you know just as well as I, if you're not showing up in the search engine on any of these search engines, you're screwed. Yeah, that's true. As far as search engines go, yeah, you're screwed. As far as apps go, though, there's a way around the App Store problem. It's called Progressive Web Apps. Joshu TV actually was remade as a progressive web app. And what that means with a progressive web app is if you're on a internet browser on a smart device, like a smartphone or a tablet or something, there's that little button in the options bar on your browser that says add to home screen, and it creates a shortcut to whatever website you're on. Well, if you do that with a progressive web app, what it does is it creates an app for that site on your device using your internet browser. It functions just like an app, looks just like an app, is an app for all purposes, and you didn't need to go through the app store to get it. And that's why a lot of alt tech sites like Gab and Odyssey, Joshu TV, and HugeTube, and NewTube, and my creation social site script, uh, they're all being designed as progressive web apps now in order to get around the app stores entirely. So the only way they would be able to stop progressive web apps is they'd have to basically disable the ability to create them through web browsers. But I don't know how keen uh, the establishment's going to be on doing that. All right. I got uh, some more questions for you. When you hear concepts like purgatory or limbo or ghost sightings, what comes to mind? Ooh, purgatory. That's basically like a limbo where you're kind of not going to heaven, not going to hell. You're kind of stuck waiting to figure out where you're going to go. I don't, I don't quite buy that uh, entirely. But as far as ghosts go, uh, you know, those can just as easily be evil spirits uh, portraying themselves as ghosts, which I think is the more likely scenario. And especially when you look at uh, demonology and what the Bible says about demons, it's pretty obvious 
that demons can shape shift and make themselves appear however they want. So they can make themselves out to be like a UFO to you. They can make themselves out to be an alien. They can make themselves out to be a giant blip in the sky that's doing crazy things you've never seen before. They can make themselves into a ghost too. It's probably, I'd say it's probably child's play for beings like that to portray themselves as ghosts. Demons have a very good bead on what people will fall for. And so they'll often change themselves into the thing that most people would fall for who are not saved. Of course, when you study demonology and you study UFO abduction testimonies, what you find is that as soon as the name of Jesus is invoked, these things leave you alone for the most part. So, yeah, there's there's that power you have to consider, too. Because for all the fear that people want you to have of aliens, demons, ghosts, spirits, and demonic entities, their power is nothing compared to the power of God and the power of Jesus. I mean, when you read uh, the Gospels, there was an instance where Jesus encountered two uh, demon-possessed guys in the hills who were so horrifically violent that no chain could restrain them nothing could bind them no one could overpower them and so people just gave that entire area wide berth because they didn't want anything to do with these demon possessed guys and jesus was so superior to them in terms of power that they came running up to jesus begging him not to judge them right then and there and begging him to send them into a herd of pigs so that they can run into the you know pond or river or whatever body of water was around and he gave them permission and they did just that. So when it comes to ghosts and demons and whatnot, uh, there's really nothing for me to fear because they are nothing compared to my Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, uh, last year, about a year ago, I actually encountered some real demonic spirits through other people that were being oppressed by these spirits. Uh Oppression and possession are very similar, but there's differences as well. That's why I say they are being oppressed rather than possessed. But I've gone toe-to-toe, face-to-face with real demonic spirits, and they are horrible monsters. They're ugly liars who don't tell you the truth about anything, and they love death, and they love to see you die. They love to see you go to hell and into the lake of fire to not exist anymore. That's who they really are. And there is nothing to fear from them because the Lord is greater than they are and it's not even close. And as Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 10, when you're in his hand, no one snatches you out of his hand. So when it comes to spirits and ghosts and whatnot, I have no fear. All right, looks like we got somebody out here that's got a question for you. Let's see if you're able to see the text. Same dude. <laughs> yeah. He seems like he's very interested in getting some of the answers to his stuff. Do you guys interpret everything within the Bible as literal, or do you interpret anything as a symbolic story? Well, the answer to your question is that there is both in the Bible. That's why I always say that you have to go with the straightforward and contextual reading of the Bible, because some parts of the Bible are literal historical documents detailing history. 
some parts of the Bible are poetry and other parts are letters that people wrote to specific audiences. And so you have to know what you're looking at in order to interpret it properly. But as far as the Torah goes, as far as a lot of the books in the Old Testament go, as far as the gospel goes, a lot of the books in the Bible are straight up historical documents and we just need to believe what they say. And anything that's poetry that's not meant to be taken literally and is meant to be symbolic, making a greater point, it's usually pretty obvious when you're looking at something like that in the Bible and you ascertain what it's trying to say. Like the, the passage in Second Peter chapter 3 where it says, God to God a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Those are similes and similes are never meant to be taken literally. And you can tell because the word as is being used. So that's kind of how it comes, how scriptural interpretation works. You have to understand which parts are meant to be taken straightforward and literal and which parts are symbolic or non-literal and you have to interpret them properly. But that requires discernment and knowledge of grammar, knowledge of writing styles, knowledge of English and all the stuff that you need to properly interpret the Bible. You can't just, you know, interpret everything literal or you run into some problems of certain passages. The communist guy's got more questions, but I'm probably not. I'm probably going to ignore them from here on out due to this. I have found over and over that atheists seem to be attracted to Satanism and demons, and they seem to see this as something very attractive and cute to them. So, you know, and... it, it does bring up an interesting point that I've thought about lately. Because you're right, a lot of atheists, you know, it's like, oh, God sucks, there is no God. But then they're all basically into the idea of demons existing and demons possessing people and demons doing horrific things to people through the possession of other people's bodies. And what I have been thinking about lately, and was kind of partially why I wrote the superhero book I did, is it made me think about the movie Unbreakable when Elijah Price is talking to David Dunn and he's basically explaining to him his theory about people with superpowers and the origin of superheroes. And basically he said that to David Dunn, if there's someone like me in the world, someone whose bones are so brittle that basically anything can break them and you just, you're always breaking bones and you're spending like half your life in hospital beds recovering from your bone breaks. If someone like me exists, then is it possible or someone on the other end of the spectrum to exist, someone who doesn't get sick and who never gets hurt and basically is the complete opposite of me and can do all these amazing, extraordinary things because he can't get hurt and he can't get sick. And so in that vein, if you're going to acknowledge the idea of demons existing and you think that it's cool that demons can possess people and do all these things and you wish you were a demonic spirit, well, then you need to acknowledge the other end of the spectrum where not only does God exist, but God himself can literally empower someone with the Holy Spirit to do supernatural, superhuman things that you would read in a comic book or a superhero movie. People like Samson, for example. Anytime Samson in the book of Judges did an extraordinary feat of superhuman strength, like killing a thousand professional soldiers with his bare hands and the donkey's jawbone, it says in the text right before that happened, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and then he did the freak show thing. 
So if demons exist and can possess people and do all these, you know, horrible things, then the other end of the spectrum must be true. God must exist and God must enable people to do superhuman things and do supernatural miracles through the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So if you're going to acknowledge the idea of demons being cool, you've just admitted that not only does God exist, but that the story of Samson and other stories like that are probably true. So that's the door he just opened without realizing it. Yeah. A bunch of popular uh, supposed atheists out there have admitted on video uh, in the past year to being a part of the satanic temple, the satanic church, and all this. I don't know if you've uh, seen some of these things where these people are coming out and just putting it forth. I also notice uh, a lot of these folks, they love to put satanic symbols and crap behind their names. Like that one guy you uh, make videos Sticks. about. Yeah. 666, right there in the name. Says he doesn't care, but why? Out of all the millions of clever names he could have came up with, that had to be it. Well, I do, I do know the story, because when he first started YouTube as a creator, he was a Satanist, but then like a year or two or maybe three into his content creator career, he decided to leave atheism for whatever reason, and he had a whole video about it, and then his explanation for why he kept his name and his channel logo is that he basically just uses it as his brand name. He's not actually a Satanist anymore, or so he says, which I don't have a reason to say he's lying about not being a satanist anymore i mean it would it would be it would have to see him you know promoting satanism as a religion for me to say he's actually a satanist but he has claimed that he's left that religion yeah but one of the big games that a lot of these satanists like to play nowadays is oh i don't believe in a metaphorical satan oh i'm just into philosophy and all this it's a big game with them, and I wouldn't doubt that they'd be more than happy to lie about where they're really coming from. Well, I have seen a Sticks video from a few years ago where he did admit that he believes in the existence of spirits. He just doesn't believe in the existence of God, which is like a total logical disconnect, a major cognitive dissonance. But he does admit that he thinks spirits really exist. So I, I wouldn't call him like an atheist. And I can see why he would call himself an agnostic, because if he's going to admit that spirits exist, he can't say definitively that God doesn't. So I can see why he takes the agnostic position. There is quite a few non-believers on YouTube who do believe in ghosts and spirits yeah. and some kind of energy uh, echo that some of them call it. But um, And some of them even believe that we live in a simulation yet right you know it's weird where do they think all that energy and power comes from yeah last time i checked in order to create a simulation you needed an intelligent mind behind it but even if we were to run with that and say sure this reality is a simulation and god made it their response would be no no there can't be a god behind it <laughs> uh. You can't please these people sometimes or ever. <laughs> I hear you. Are you going to be re-uploading some of your uh, older material and some of the stuff you've done about uh, involving your creativity? Yeah, yeah. Um, when my book comes out, for example, I'll make a video promoting it and announcing its release. Uh, 
and periodically I have been uploading old bit shoot videos from like 2018, 2019 onto my Joshua TV channel, like the ones that are clearly not HD. Uh, sometimes I remake videos so that they're in HD and in my current setup. So yeah, uh, as far as re-uploading older videos of mine, I'll be doing that on Joshua TV now and then. And then in others, I might just remake them and post them on YouTube, Joshua TV, YouTube, and, you know, everywhere else. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be doing some of that going forward. If you wouldn't mind, I don't know if you noticed the radio thing that I got going, but if you could do some small clips where you're advertising some of your comics, drawings, art, also an ad where you're promoting your channels and all that kind of stuff. So I can throw it in there every once in a while to play along with the radio. That'd be great. Would you have an issue with me uh, taking some of the audio and throwing it up on the radio? Of course, it would have a link directed to your video sites. Not at all. All right. Sounds good. Well, is there anything else on your mind? That's kind of my list of uh, different things. I love talking to you about all kinds of material. We need to figure out how to um, get some more streams going, though. Good discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have a problem with streams in the future where I make the link public? We're going to get a lot of wild animals if we do that, but would you be up for it? Yeah, as long as I can arrange a day where I can actually be here to do this, then yeah, I don't mind. I mean, we did a lot of streams a couple years ago together, back when I had a work schedule that allowed me to be on your show frequently. Well, when you get an opportunity, email me and uh, give me uh, an idea of some of the days that would be good and everything. That way I can tell you in advance, well, what about this day or this day? All right? Right. Yep, sounds good. Anything else you want to promote or talk about? I'm up for it. I just ran out of things on the list to throw at you. Well, since we're about to head out of here, I would just like to take this occasion to remind the audience once again about a couple of things. For example, uh, there we go. I'm on YouTube. You can go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel if YouTube is your preferred place to watch me. You can subscribe to me on Joshua TV and watch my videos there. They'll be in full HD just like my YouTube videos. And they'll get more views than my YouTube videos are right now. And also, it's just a fun place to be for me. I also exclusively live stream here when I do live stream because I like the live streaming setup here, either using OBS or using the Jitsi Meet stuff. And then there's also YouTube, which is a site I'm on that Brett's on, also does full HD video uploads and all manner of uh, fun stuff can happen here too. So if you want to follow me on any of those three sites for my videos, you can. Uh, there's no qualitative difference as far as the HD quality of the videos. If you're looking for an alternative to Facebook where you can actually have real freedom, I have Creation Social, and you can join that today. The URL is creation.social. And if you want to help me create Quarter, a video sharing site that actually champions freedom of speech, you can contribute to my give send go campaign and the sooner we get that fundraising done for that the sooner we can actually create the site itself and start using it so those are the things i just like to remind the audience of before we get out of here i'm able to uh stream obs with what you see on the screen right there Mm -hmm. i can do that and i can also 
I have a big screen thing with God TV radio where I can put certain images. If I had like an iframe where I could have yarn cam to put through there, I could do that. But there's also another way in case you're having camera problems sometimes. If you simply send me a real good image of yourself with your websites on it and all that, I could actually mm -hmm. put it where you see Albert Einstein. And that way people know where to go to uh, subscribe to you. While I got that on the screen, that way, mm. if anybody comes in, pulls out their ding dong, it won't be seen. All they'll see is you right next to me and my picture. There. <laughs> I, I know that's hilarious. Yeah. But I've had so many nasty pictures put up on the screen and stuff. These people have a bad porn distribution problem. They have a very and, odd fixation with you, too. It's kind of disturbing. It's like, this why are you so obsessed with a guy who lives in Missouri? Why, right. why do you care about Brett so much? Well, I think they are going along with the motto of my state. We call Missouri the show me state. So they figured they want to show me everything. But here we go. God, <laughs> that's what it would look like. All I would do is just simply take Albert out and then put you right there. You understand? Right. And I then everybody's it. audio would go through the OBS. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unless cool. we can figure out another way where I can put people's cams and in the box or something, we could also uh, do that where it's bigger. Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll look into that. All right, let me bring this down. All right, well, you got any questions for me? Nope, I don't have any questions for you. At least not on this stream, but. Hey, maybe in a future stream we'll roll reverse and I'll ask you all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Folks, make sure you subscribe and comment and rate to Mr. TTOR. He's got a good channel and he's got a lot of good content for you to check out. And a lot of places to watch it, too. You're not going to be able to, to platform me, YouTube. <laughs> Yay! Going to hit 